skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like trusting your gut, living with a hoarder, and... Ooh. Ending the cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed by any states in this country to do this. Yep. yep. And internationally. <laughs> yeah. No, no country in general has given us license to do anything. No country <laughs> for old men and podcast hosts. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of our English major for you. Uh, yeah, there anyway, we go. Sam and I are not qualified to do this. We have no credentials that um, like warrant us to give you good advice. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So uh, before we jump into the check-in topic, Sam and I wanted to send... Um, our love out into the world. There are there are a lot of places in the world um, and things going on right now in this fuck dumpster fuck of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we so we sent we're sending our love to everyone um, to folks in Wisconsin and to still in 
uh, our hometown of Minnesota. Um, and we're also sending our love to all of the people who are infected, affected right now by the fires um, mm-hmm. going on in California and up into Portland. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know. I think when I read about that going on um, and when I uh, look at pictures, it's, it's surreal and it's scary. And it, it reminds me like how, I don't know. This is going to sound weird, but it's like it reminds me of how weird it is to be a human with access mm-hmm. to global news. Um, mm-hmm. How uh, how resilient humans are, but also how sometimes we have to like. I, I there are moments in which I'm frozen with grief and anxiety for the things that are going on in the world, and um, then I have to like get up and like fold my laundry or <laughs> go, you know, do work or whatever. It, it's so this is sending, you know, Sam and I wanted to send love to everyone being um, affected by the fires right now. And also to all of our listeners, because we know that this is like, it's a, it's hard to take in so such a news cycle, you know, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to my therapist about this before Yay, new we therapist. started recording. Yes, everyone. I have a new therapist. Um, so that's very exciting. Um, it's happening. Um, for, for, for folks who don't know, my therapist died. Um, and so now I have a new one, Yep, but, yep. Tra- trauma uh, laugh, <laughs> trauma laugh. Uh, but yeah, we were just talking about like, you know, how challenging it is that like, I am the partner of someone who is grieving the loss, his, mm-hmm. the recent loss of his mother. I am also a person who is still grieving the loss of his father, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I thought I that was done be, with that. I thought that was over, no. but <laughs> silly Sam. Here we are still it's, dealing it's with it. It's not a one year membership. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then like just the added on layers of how much more like psychological weight is happening because of That's the pandemic term. and the fact that literally the West coast is on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that uh, black men are still being killed by police Every mm-hmm. single day, um, and not just by police too. Let's also like shout out the fact that people mm-hmm. are being killed by who, people who aren't police as well. Right. Um, and it's just like it's so um, it's so challenging to like try and do this head and artwork in a in a time and a place when when it feels like everything is just like crumbling around us. Um, right. And I encourage folks to do what they need to take care of themselves, um, do what they need to stay safe too, right? If you're in Portland, if you're in the suburbs, like evacuations, that's so nuts. Um, and also like, and also do what you can to, to search for the hope and the joy out there to to at least feed you into, into moving forward, not to like dismiss the reality of how painful all of this is, and be like, search for the joy, but like, right. do what you need to do to find something that's going to give you the the capacity to be able to move through this bullshit right. and get to something that might be better, right? That's, that's all right. that we can hope for is that all of this stuff that's happening is going to spur us to something that is better than what we currently have. Right. I feel like you and I both are similar in the fact that we feel really empowered by just naming things, like not necessarily by changing them, but by naming them. And I think what I'd like to bring into this episode is just like naming, you know, what what a lot of people already know, right? That we're in a pandemic, that 
uh, half of our country is on fire and um, that we live in a white supremacist nation and um, yada, yada. And it's, but just to, just what I want to name is like, we're processing a lot right now and it's okay for us to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to, um, to not feel like you can handle everything at once. Um, That's, that's not our job. And we're, we're physically incapable of fixing everything at once. Mm -hmm. Um, So take a deep breath, uh, give yourself some love and empathy today, give some love and empathy to your friends and neighbors um, and see like, Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers, which I really love. It always Mm -hmm. reminds me that there are always helpers everywhere. Oh, my God. Also, shout out to our fucking educators and to our parents right now. Oh, Jesus, right? (laughs) I know. That's the other. It's like so many layers. Shout out to our educators and to our parents who are and to our students, to young people out there. Um, I feel like it is a lose, lose, lose situation for so many folks in education or who are in school or who have school aged children right now. Um, Mm. I can't imagine what it's like to balance all of that. Um, But so to Mr. Rogers quote, like, look for the helpers and remember that we all have the capacity to be a helper and helper Mm. doesn't always look like somebody who is in the news and a helper doesn't always look like somebody who, um, I don't know, like posts all the time and donates all the time. Um, but you can be a helper in, in your own way. Um, but you got to take care of yourself first or, or even just like, like I said earlier, like name what you're going through. So at least it has a name. At least you can like point to it and say, Oh, it's exhaustion or (laughs) accumulated grief, you know? Exactly. Yep. That's real. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe that can be our check-in for today. I feel like we, is it anything else you want to add to the, um, the, the melting pot of 2020? Um, I guess I would just like, my sister's boyfriend wrote a book. Yes. <laughs> and I would just shout it out again. Um, it's called the future earth. Um, and it's by Eric Holthaus. Um, And basically it's like everybody frantically Googles his name right now, by the way. (laughs) Um, Sorry, sis. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I hope that you have, you're okay with me announcing the fact that you're dating this person. Um, But he wrote a book that was about um, the, the hope of climate change, like not the hope Mm -hmm. of climate change, but the hope of doing things to combat climate change, climate change. Like what could our world look like if we actually enacted some of the things that our best climate scientists are talking about, Um, And the way in which it could help restructure our whole society to change from this like exploitative capitalist system into something that is much more um, holistic and people centered and like environment centered. Um, And like what I like about the book is that it does. It's like we have the capacity to do this, y'all. Like there's nothing that's really stopping us. We just need to like come together and do it. And reading that book made me feel so hopeful in the face of like the fact that California and Oregon are on fire right now and other states too. Um, And just like the idea of there's, we have the capacity to do this. Like it is within our grasp um, and that we do have some influence or control over how we decide to, to work together and to view each other and to be in community with each other um, that I really appreciated it. So if you're looking for something that can like address some of the trauma that we're all going through and seeing like climate change made manifest right now. Like yes. it is, this is what it is. Y'all, this is also, like, not... and gender reveal parties. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Don't oh get me wrong. God. Sam is more right than I am, but I'm a little right. <laughs> I just love the idea that like now gender reveal parties are going to be so like so villainized. Down on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are uh, they? Because gender has like a very hard grasp on our society right now. And it's like digging its, its claws in. It is violent. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad you found hope in that book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, would recommend it again if if folks are looking for something that might be a little bit hopeful. Just so you know, like the first twenty pages are awful because it's about like, yeah, these wildfires that we're seeing yeah. are not aberrations anymore. They are like things that we should anticipate right. every day. Right. Um, but then it's like, and also we have the capacity to change this, which I think yeah. is really helpful. Yeah. I love that. Um, dating a climate scientist um, or dating. Oh, my God. I'm married to her. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you dating? <laughs> Being married to a climate scientist is uh, s- simultaneously like very cool and sexy <laughs> and also like uh, m- like morbidly depressing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, but she does say uh, similarly to the sentiments of the book is that like we have so much power if if we work together um mm-hmm. if it we are literally unstoppable if we work together but the problem is you know big business and yada yada but but we we do have power um and i love the quote um speaking of like another climate change warrior alexandria ocasio cortez put out that amazing video last year or maybe it was 2 years ago about the new green deal and um, mm-hmm. called like a message from the future. If you haven't seen it, it's really moving. Um, and in it, she says uh, we can be whatever we have the courage to see. And it's really, and that I feel like can be a, applied to so much that's going on right now, right. To uh, the put um, the uprooting of like a uh, nationwide, historic racism in our country like we have the courage we we can be whatever we have the courage to see if we if we see the racism in our institution and have the courage to face it then we can start dismantling it same with climate change the seriousness of it um and also like uh wear a fucking mask (laughs) (laughs) please do yeah oh god we just covered like literally everything in the world right now the woman that we were talking about who came over to pick up the packages that accidentally got delivered to my house did not wear a mask when she came and picked up the packages. Oh <laughs> so my God. It was like, I was like, are you kidding? Get out of uh, my house, lady. Get out of my house. <laughs> anyway, so if you don't know our like political leanings by now. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we're, I would say we're on the fence. Like we're definitely independent. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, sorry, y'all, but I really did just want to send, we wanted to send our love to the folks on the West Coast. We want to send our love to um, all of the Black Lives Matters protests that are still going on through our nation and um, send our love, maybe send our love to um, any climate scientists out there and any (laughs) folks... I, folks, literally, my wife says her boss tells them that if you, if you leave a climate meeting not depressed, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. I know. Um, and then also sending our love to educators, school age students, college students going back in the fall um, and to parents right now who are really being uh, asked to choose between their professional life and their children's education. Absolutely. 
And Cheers like, to 2020. When we say professional life, we also mean like eating and like paying. Yes, rent. I know. Like, it's not just about like, oh, I'm giving up Ugh. my future career trajectory. It's like literally if you don't have a job, you can't pay for your rent. So like. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <sighs> anyway. let's just take a client. Well, this is honestly like the fact that you and I could go on and on and that we feel physical anxiety right now is is just another cue to me, like a like a trigger to me to 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 take a deep breath and remember that like I can only process so much at a time um, mm-hmm. and be effective in my day. Meaning like I want to I want my heart to be open and empathetic and I want my actions to be true and just and anti-racist and I want uh, our podcast to do well. You know, like I want to do I want to be good in my job. Um, but first, I need to make sure that I am not going to have a breakdown like and i mean that without a joke you know mm-hmm, we're processing mm-hmm. we're processing so much right now that i just want to remind all of our listeners that we're rooting for you to take a deep breath um and um at, at least at, at the bare minimum acknowledge that we're going through a lot right now absolutely and acknowledge that this isn't a race this is like this isn't a sprint it's a marathon and so yep. we need to do what we need to do to take care of ourselves so that we can continue to to move forward in a way that doesn't just burn ourselves out or sacrifice right. ourselves for something that isn't actually going to to help. So like right. breathe and it, take care of yourself and also keep up the yeah. fight. Stay yeah. vigilant. And if you like if you didn't um if you like stopped your workout r- routine and are like eating ice cream every day or if you're um you know like maybe you've you fell behind on something a goal or whatever like it's okay. <laughs> You're okay. Deep breath. Yep. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. All right. We're all doing the best that we can with the knowledge and experience that we have in this very moment. Yes. You want to get into some letters? Let's do it. Okay. The first letter is from <laughs> Compatibility Challenged, who is writing to us from Boston. Sam and Sierra, first of all, thank you so much for being the constant friend and reminder in my ears when all I want to do is break down. See? Literally 2020 right there in one sentence. (laughs) Um, You have no idea how many people you're helping with your honest advice and comforting hug of a podcast. That's so sweet. God, sometimes uh, I really need to hear that. (laughs) It like fills me up, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So thanks, everybody. Um, Compatibility writes, I am 27. I live with an anxiety and an anxious attachment style. Excuse me, I live with anxiety and an anxious attachment style, and I have gone through some serious heartbreak from toxic relationships. Your typical story of going after emotionally unavailable men to somehow prove I can change them? Question mark. <laughs> I've read more psychology today articles than I can count. Two years ago, I finally decided to put the uh, put in the work in myself and started kicking ass on my job, paid off all my student loans, and got an amazing got into amazing shape for myself. I was finally ready for a healthy, happy relationship as a cherry on top of the Sunday when I met an amazing guy from a dating app this summer. We had instant chemistry, deep conversation about uh, what we're looking for, our relationship, and we're able to name our love languages on the second date. The problem was we both knew we were probably probably incompatible. He told me on the third date that he was his worst quality was his lack of empathy while I wear my heart on my sleeve and will cry if I see anyone else in pain. I should have realized that uh, then that we weren't going to be the right fit. But classic me, I decided to open up my heart and go all in again for the emotional unavailability, rigid left brain guy. 
After two months, our differences became too much for him, and he ended it after one conversation where he told me that it got too serious and that he tried to picture living with me and couldn't imagine that future. Ouch. Also, I didn't ask. (laughs) Truthfully... I know. Truthfully, I'm upset that he didn't even give this relationship a try, but I'm more upset that I had the same feelings of incompatibility and wasn't able to step away myself. Not sure if this is out of the pandemic loneliness or I was really falling in love or both. So my question is this. When you're starting out a new relationship, when do you listen to that gut feeling that says you're incompatible and move on? And when do you open up your heart and see where it can go? I'm absolutely devastated that I was willing to work on our differences and he wasn't. But should I have walked away myself so I wouldn't have to deal with this horrible heartbreak? Hoping to learn from this when my heart heals again. Thank you so much for writing Compatibility Challenge. Let's call you CC. Yeah. So the funny story is I can absolutely not give advice on this because I'm 100% UCC. I'm like, oh, my God, the first date was awful. Let's date for another six months. Um, so I'm going to turn this one over to Sam first and see maybe if he can help. Absolutely. Um, so first of all, CC, I want to say to you, I'm sorry that you keep falling for un- emotionally unavailable men. Like that is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a fun, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that's like a fun, like rom-com trope is like, Oh, I fall for emotionally unavailable men, like sex in the city bullshit. But actually it is really hard. Like it is, <laughs> yeah. it, it is honestly very painful to keep pouring yourself into folks who aren't able to reciprocate it. Like, it's not a yeah. funny, like, Oh, what a pathetic woman joke. It's like, no, like this person was open and vulnerable and like time and time again, they find people who aren't able to match that openness and vulnerability. And that fucking sucks. Yes. Uh, Quick note too, before you like teach me and everyone how to deal with this. (laughs) Um, I like like that I'm the teacher. I don't don't know. (laughs) Well, I really, I honestly don't know how much I've exercised this muscle in myself like ever. I always date too long, even when I don't like someone. Mm. Um, But the thing I wanted to say was, y'all, if you are relating to this, the idea that you're attracted to or drawn to or start dating or fall in love with emotionally distant people immediately reflect on why you romanticize emotionally, emotionally distant people. There's Mm -hmm. like, we need to stop romanticizing the idea of the uncatchable person or the person that we have to earn or the person that like is so cool that we have to like prove our coolness for like, that's like, let's take that off a pedestal right now. And that's to me too. Um, I saw something on the internet. I think one of our followers sent us something on Instagram that was like, stop romanticizing the people who hurt you. But Mm -hmm. more importantly, like my version of that is like, stop romanticizing the people who are out of your grasp. That reaching for them isn't an act of love. It's an act of anxious panic. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is like the manifestation of your anxious attachment style is like trying to find that person that, that are trying to bring that person closer to you to prove that you are lovable, Mm -hmm. to prove that you are worthy of the intimacy that you so crave. Right. Like, and I say that in a way of like, that's not, that is not a judgment in any way. That is just like a statement of fact. Like there's absolutely nothing inherently wrong with an anxious or an avoidant attachment style. They are just they, they are just ways that we operate yes. in the world, right? And to that note, I just want to say really quickly, uh, you and I had an amazing conversation about uh, avoidant or dismissive attachment styles and mm-hmm. a little bit of anxious attachment style um, on our Patreon uh, last week. 
So if you're interested in that, check out, it's like the September 11th um, episode, I think. So uh, if you're interested, Patreon, $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week. Done. Go ahead. Nice. Great plug. <laughs> Thanks. I just thought it was such a good conversation. I wished it was a primary episode. Yeah, no, legit. It was very good. Um, so yes, you see, um, what you're describing to me feels like an anxious attachment style, right? Yeah. Like it feels like, um, and so what I want to say to you is like, I commend you for having the conversations that you had on those first three dates, right? Like yeah. ta- having a deep conversation about what you're looking for, naming your love languages, like getting to the point where you can actually have like open and honest communication about what your desires and feelings are is great. Right. And the fact that he said to you on the third date that empathy, he struggles with empathy. Like, I think what needs to happen now, like you, you've developed all of the good practices around like asking for what you want and being really clear about, about what your desires of the relationship are. Now it's the problem of like, how do you act on what you learn from the other person in the moment and not like after the fact, when you're looking back and being like, Oh, all of those red flags, I should have seen them. Um, And like, that's really hard. So like, I'm not going to pretend like it's like, Oh, just just listen, like do it. Just like, like listen to your heart. Yeah. Like, just, just like, like get listen. It, it's really not like, that turn hard. Turn up the volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like tap in. Um, like charge your AirPods. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Sam, yeah, one AirPods. time I like put in my like cordless headphones that weren't AirPods and Sam goes, uh, we're an AirPod family. <laughs> Like all judgy of my like $20 ones that I got from (laughs) Amazon or something. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I thought of something too, uh, because while you were talking, I was like trying to imagine you saying this to me if I was like, oh, I'm not really into this person or I, I, Cece, I was thinking about like what in me makes me afraid to listen to myself and Mm. like the very decision. I was going to say disappointing. It's not disappointing, but like a challenging thing for me to admit is that for me, CC, I cannot, um, I do not want someone, I don't want to hurt someone, number one. Mm. I don't want to make them feel rejected. I always want to be what they want me to be. That is a part of my caretaking that constantly requires me to abandon myself. Um, I want love. Mm-hmm. Number two. <laughs> and uh, number three, I, my subconscious brain um, lives in a world in which it feels as though it is impossible to, or like it is a very bad thing to disappoint someone or to mm-hmm. have someone not like me. Like that's like the cardinal sin in my subconscious brain that I constantly right. have to work against is so, so I would say to myself, as I would say to you, CC, it is okay if I hurt someone. I don't mean that in a selfish asshole, like um, abusive way, toxic way. I just mean mm-hmm. like, I will not walk through this world and not hurt people. That is impossible. Mother Teresa has hurt people, you know, of mm-hmm. uh, any other like saintly person that you think um, is out there in the world, like has hurt or disappointed or rejected people. Um, and that is just the reality that I constantly has to re- have to comfort myself with because, um, okay. So like side, funny little side note, um, I've been nannying, um, some kids and some young, uh, kids. And one of them is, th- uh, three <clears throat> and she has like a ton of energy. 
Uh, I'm obsessed with her. And she, <laughs> but she's also very emotional and, and very like, you know, like a three-year-old is like 25% logic, 75% chaos, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, when I get in the door, she's like, oh my God, I fucking love you. I mean, she doesn't say that, but you know, she's like <laughs> obsessed with me. And then if I like lay down a boundary or like tell her like, no, we can't like stick her face into the microwave or whatever. Mm-hmm. She gets very cold. <laughs> she gets very cold. She doesn't respond to me when I'm talking to her and she oh, doesn't God. make, eye- and she doesn't make eye contact, Sam. I swear to God, I have had dreams about it because it <laughs> makes me so, ang- this is a three-year-old. Okay. I uh-huh, struggle. Uh-huh. I physically am, and I'm, I physically struggle processing the disappointment and anger of a three-year-old. I cannot imagine what my heart feels like when i piss an, a grown human off that i actually love and respect you know what i mean uh anyway so cc <laughs> you gotta That's, you gotta you gotta crush a three-year-old every once in a while is what i'm trying to absolutely. say absolutely or a grown-ass man right <laughs> right. So that would help. I mean, that's that's one direct thing is that if, you know, if I if I was in this situation, I would say, wow, Sierra, if I actually stood up for myself and um, if I prioritize my own comfort and desires as much as I prioritize other people and and validif- like uh, justifying myself through other people's love, then I would have left this situation a long time ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would, the other thing that I would say, recommend for you, Cece, is that I would say don't confuse the excitement of the conversation with compatibility mm. or with like, or with chemistry, right? Like the fact that you can get Whoa, into that's a really, deep one. yeah, like deep, intense personal conversations with someone in the first three dates is a marker of your, your two ability to like be really intimate really quickly, but it doesn't actually mark an in like, compatibility it just means that you two are like ready to have in-depth conversations with each other off the bat or that sorry so out, real. out the bat as we Thank say you. on it's this out podcast the <laughs> we haven't i haven't done like a a linguistical mess up like that lately but no it's true you've been like you've been hammering those uh adages <laughs> <laughs> but for anyone who doesn't know like 100 episodes i said out the bat instead of out the gate and off the gate or something like that off the anyway. bat or out the gate <laughs> anyway, so right out the bat, like, because and I'll, dismissive people with avoidant and dismissive attachment styles are not always closed off, right? It's not always right. like you're talking to a brick wall. It is like they can be emotionally intimate, but then immediately retreat from it, right? And so I would say don't confuse that immediate feeling of intimacy with right. chemistry because it's mis- it can be misleading. And if you're only looking for that level of intensity, you're going to you're going to weed out all the secure people because I secure totally people agree. don't feel the need to like bear their souls immediately to someone because they're like, "No, I respect and trust you as a person and I know that you have inherent worth and I know that I have inherent worth." And so like I just am interested in seeing what you are into. What are your thoughts about where you want this relationship to go? What are you looking for in life? And your answer mm-hmm. isn't doesn't personally affect me. I'm just having this conversation to figure out whether or not we're compatible. And so I, <laughs> that's just like my recommendation is like, Lord, did I get into a lot of stupid trysts with dumb people because I was like, but we connected immediately. <laughs> like, yeah, we immediately were like into each other. And then they didn't respond to my text for like 18 years after that. Right. Yeah. Like, it's immediacy 
like the pleasure of the immediacy versus the um, longevity of mm-hmm. actual sustainability. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, honestly, in your letter, you were like, we had such amazing chemistry and it's like, and yet he told you, you had, he had no empathy. <laughs> like, like, is yeah. that chemistry or is that just like, yeah, we're going to bear you, ourselves. Maybe you and, like, did like, cause like, I can flirt with an idiot. <laughs> Not that this guy's an idiot. I, I take that back 100%. Um, I can flirt with somebody that I am not like compatible with long term. I can Absolutely. have chemistry with somebody. Oh my God, can I have chemistry with somebody who's not good for me? <laughs> Absolutely. But that's because like that's your emotion, like that's your right. anxious attachment style coming up with a like and the. No, that I'm pretty sure that's my boner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's like the anxious and avoidant trap is so real because it feels like your brain is on fire. Like it feels like, Oh my God, I found found the person that's going to be able to love me in the way that I need to be loved. And it's like, I could just prove myself. Yeah. Or for the avoidant person, like, yay, I found the perfect person. Oh wait, they're not perfect. Gross. Get away from me. Gross. Get away from me. Exactly. (laughs) They want me to feel Um. empathy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, bleed empathy i'm gonna leech you you know i'm like the the old practice of leeching but with feelings um okay so (laughs) um cc uh also just to like check sam and i i'm not we're not questioning the fact that you had great chemistry we're not questioning your your actual genuine interest in this person we just want to like pose some of these things a little bit differently so that maybe looking back or not even looking back. Cause remember back is not where we learn. We, we learn from our experiences, but we really, we can, we do best when we apply them in the future, right? Look forward. What mm-hmm. are we going to do when we look forward? Um, so CC, we want you to think about ways in which you could have showed you, showed up for yourself a little bit better, but also like, We're not trying to discourage you for like wanting love with someone, but you said it yourself. This person was incompatible and they were out of your, out of your reach in a way. Um, So yeah, we hope that this helps. Any last words, Sam? No, I just want to, I just want to affirm that like you're doing the right things. And I think it's just a matter of tuning your, your perspective to the right frequency Right. Like you're getting all the information that you need to and you are asking the right questions, which is fantastic. You just need to like shift a little bit to to actually Mm -hmm. listen to some of the answers from a different perspective, which is challenging for sure. But like you are well on your way, which is which is fantastic. Like you've already done a significant amount of work to get to this point and like want to commend you for that. And also say there's absolutely the possibility to be able to be more discerning in who you have this chemistry with and who you're willing and able to show this level of of vulnerability too, because someone is going to love it and appreciate it in a way that's going to affirm and, and build up both of you, which I think is so wonderful. Yep. Absolutely. Cece, thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says Quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Who is writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. For almost as long as I can remember, I have lived in a hoarder's house. It began with my mom keeping several things from my grandmother's house after she died and snowballed from there. It wasn't so bad when I was younger, but over the years, it's just gotten worse, especially after my dad died a couple years ago. The past year or two, I've been saying to my mom that we need to get out of this house. I've been telling her that it's not good for my mental health and hers, and she just keeps saying how much my dad loved this house. We can't afford to pay for the mortgage, so we've essentially been squatting here while I'm trying to get my finances order mm. in order to get both of us out of the house. 
Because of her mobility issues, my mom doesn't work much. I have four to five jobs, musician, part-time music teacher here. I've tried to clean things out when my mom is at work, but I'm also essentially her caretaker. So a lot of the time I'm running errands or just sitting for the morning because I actually have time to. The reason I'm writing into you about this is because more recently, one of my friends and I have become closer. And to be honest, it feels like we're going down the path where we could begin dating in the future. Hmm. I, and I'm really concerned about my current living situation as I haven't had anyone in my house since I was 12 and I'm 29 now. Although endgame for me is to get us out of this house, I know that it's not going to happen for a while. There's such a stigma with hoarding and I feel like people are not as understanding as they should be. I'm afraid to talk about this. It dawned on me that I could essentially screw up a wonderful relationship, not just with him, anyone down the line because of my living situation. When it comes to us dating, is this something that I should be upfront and honest about? Should I talk to him or whoever about it right away or wait until they ask why I haven't invited them over? Is it something that I should try to not discuss at all until I know for sure what is happening? I want to do what is right for me and be honest, but I'm so scared that it might scare people away and be judged for something I feel I essentially was raised on and couldn't mm. control. I discovered you guys about a year ago after my ex of five years and I broke up and you got me through some dark times. Thank you for your emotional labor and your hard work. You are helping so many people like me navigate through life, especially through mm. this pandemic. I am so grateful to have you in my life. Thank you so much for all that you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm obviously like definitely ovulating because yeah, no, all I was of like, their uh-huh. tears. <laughs> oh, I have tears in my eyes. I just sometimes I'm like they always mean something to me. I always take them to heart, but sometimes they physically manifest my feelings like more than okay, goodbye. <laughs> no, honestly. That's real. Anyway. Um, okay, Anna, thank you so much for writing. Thank you for your kind words. Um, they obviously meant a lot to us. Uh, and thank you for this thoughtful letter. Um, I know that this experience feels very stressful, potentially shameful, um, and Mm -hmm. maybe like, uh, unique to you. That might not be the right word, but like, uh, that this is an experience that not everybody shares. But I, I want to say that there is a lot of commonality in this letter. And I know um, not only is there a lot of commonality about like not knowing when to disclose things and being um, having uh, issues with um, keeping things from your partner about your family or, or living situation. But I also know that there's probably listeners out there that have either um, hoarding tendencies or a hoarding family member. And I'm I'm like pretty grateful that we get to talk about it um and in your very thoughtful poignant letter so thanks absolutely and i think also i just want to acknowledge that like that what you're going through is really hard right and not in a in a judging way or a pitying way but like dealing with a a family member living with a family member who has any sort of of mental illness is is really challenging it's really hard and to to also have attached to that the stigma i think around around people's understanding of what hoarding is and also like people's weird things about like cleanliness and mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and the judgment of how people keep their houses. Like, it's just, I can't, I've never been through it, but I can only imagine how challenging it must be to navigate the world knowing that there's, there's this thing that you feel like you have to keep from other people. And then on top of that, also act as caregiver to a person who is like, who is causing you to feel this way when you interact with other people. And just like that, that's really hard. And yeah. I, I, I feel for you that, 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 that situation is a lot to deal with. There's a lot on yeah. your plate and on your shoulders right now. 
Yeah, I literally, in my notes, I wrote, wow, 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 that's a lot of stress. And I love that you clarified, Sam, that it was like very articulate of you, that it's not in like a pitying or like a, oh my God, look at all these things wrong with you way. It's just like, wow, you're a human who's struggling a lot right now. That that must be really stressful. Four jobs and uh, like a uh, a family member that is dependent on you with a mental illness, like that is a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing, oh my gosh, my, uh, I have a family member who I would not qualify as a hundred percent hoarder, but I have had to do, um, halls, right. Hoarder, hoarder type of halls in mm-hmm. their living spaces. Um, and, and I have dealt with, um, I, I was, it would be like hoarder light, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I have dealt with the emotional triggers of getting rid of things. Um, I've dealt with the physical labor of, um, trying to navigate the getting rid of things, keeping things clean in a safe way, right. Like in, a uh, mm-hmm. w- something that's hygienic for their health. Um, and, uh, I can't imagine, you know, mine was an H light and I can't imagine, um, the stress of just trying to process that, especially because this um, mental illness particularly manifests in a way that thrives in in isolation, right? Nobody, mm. uh, it's 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 hoarding is seen as like a, um, is it on Bravo or A and E? What's the show? The show hoarders. Yeah, yeah, I think it's on A and E, A and E, or something. We think of it as like the that music, you know, like the gasping um, oddity of hoarding. When in reality, like all of the, all of the people on that show are not only suffering from that manifestation of mental illness, but so often, like your mother, grief, right? Like real mm-hmm. physicalized grief um, of loss and fear and. Um, and and um it's it's something that really i feel um like i think adequately empathetic to <laughs> like as in like every it's like an it's like a normal amount of empathy i feel like people should have for for hoarders so mm-hmm. um but uh the main point i wanted to get to in that weird little spiel was uh you're dealing with a lot right now um and Sam and I are proud of you, and we also want to make sure you're taking care of yourself because Absolutely. things that the number one thing that get lost when we're trying to help um, a loved one, particularly a loved one um, with a mental illness, is our own wellness. Um, mm-hmm. So, so separate of your budding relationship, which I'm very happy about, I want to make sure that you are taking care of yourself and that um, you are asking for help and that you are not furthering the act of isolation that hoarding creates um, and that you're, that you are empowering yourself to, to reach out for help or reach out to resources that would assist you in this um, ex- life experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that finding a, an affordable therapist, um, would definitely help this too, right? Because like, even if you are not, if even if you are not um, dealing with a mental illness yourself, mm-hmm. caretaking for someone with a significant mental illness is also really challenging. Right. And, and therapy can also help you navigate those situations too, in terms of how do you help support your mom in finding other ways to manifest her grief in a way that is healthier for her and in a way that is going to be more productive for her too. So, um, you know, we do better, we got better help, right? Like we have a discount code if you want some, but Um, but there are other, 
like yeah, free or reduced price therapy opportunities in your area. Um, would encourage you to check those out as well, too, just to, to have someone to talk to so that you're not feeling as isolated as you are right now. Yeah, I was even I was speaking. Um, we I mean, Sam and I think everybody should have access to therapy. But I, I was also just thinking, like, I think the stigmas that you wrote about, um, Anna, about that cause hoarding to be uh, something shameful. Uh you know, it, it makes people not want to tell people like this very situation. It makes people not have friends over, you know, like mm-hmm. this very situation. And so I just want to give you permission, um, Anna, that none of us are perfect human beings. We all have proverbial skeletons in our closet. We all have things that we um, are ashamed of. And I want to invite you to... to uh, bring those things into the light, whether that light is a friend or whether that light is a therapist or whether that is even in your, just your own heart saying like, um, this is who I am. I am not broken. This is an experience that I am going through. Um, Mm -hmm. I am lovable, capable and wildly human sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, to the boyfriend, friend, person, partner, (laughs) friend. To the non, um, to the friend who the blossoming relationship. I like that I said that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give about disclosing? I would say that it is Anna an important thing for people to know about you, but I think that you can disclose this fact in a way that that helps you. Um, mm. And I say that in a way of saying. You can talk about the fact that your mom is a hoarder without bringing into it the stigma or judgment that you, or without the shame that you might feel about the fact that this is happening to you and talk about it as like a reality of your world, (laughs) right? Of like, Mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm, I'm, I just want to like talk about the fact that, you know, my mother has a significant mental illness and, and it makes my home life really challenging. Um, And so it's, it's like, i I'm not super comfortable bringing people to the house, but like, it's something that I think is important for you to know about me because I want to be open and vulnerable with you. Yeah. Right. And, and I want to be able to um, talk about this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to lean on you for support emotionally. Um, And I want you to know me period. Yeah. I I think that that's it. Right. Like I want you to know me. I don't need you to fix this and I don't need mm. you to like, I don't even need you to understand it fully in this moment. But mm-hmm, I need mm-hmm. you to know that this is a part of my life. And it's and if you are going to be involved with me, like this is something that that you're going to have to hear about and know about. And and I'm going to have to continue to work through while we are dating. Right. And I think that that's like. I think for me that that is such a wonderful thing to hear from a person um, that I am potentially dating And what I think is also really helpful about this, and we talked about this in like episode like six or something when Olivia Mm -hmm. Gatwood was on the show Mm -hmm. and she was like, yeah, you would disclose your religion so that you can find someone who's like, okay with your religion, right? Like Mm. you need to, you can disclose this thing to a person because you don't want to date someone who's going to judge or stigmatize you for this thing, right? Like, Mm. and being upfront and honest about it in a not provocative, in a not sensational way is going to allow you to weed out the dudes who are going to be like, her mom's a hoarder. I can't handle this Mm because you, 
because they're not worth your time, right? Like, right. and it's not because you you are like unlovable and they've seen that. It's because you have like revealed a part of yourself that is infinitely lovable and they have turned away from it, right? Like, Ooh, and, girl, go off with the infinite <laughs> right? like, lovability. You like, and you don't need to like, triflers need not apply, you know, like whatever. <laughs> like, you don't want to date someone who's going to judge you for the fact that your mom is coping with her grief. Like, you don't want to ju- date yes. someone who's going to, like, stigmatize the fact that your mom has a mental illness. Like, no, don't waste time with people like that. And yeah, and it has nothing to do with you or your uh, your value or your worth, right? It has yes. everything to do with their their capabilities as compassionate people and, like, their failings in their ability to understand or empathize what someone else might be going for, going through. And like, you don't want to be with someone who's not going to be able to empathize with you. Right. And you know what the other thing is? Like, I know for a fact, both Sam and I, despite the fact that we, we, you know, Sam and I have different attachment styles. We have different love languages. We're different anagrams. Like we're such different people. I know that both of us, if, if we were dating somebody who disclosed this to us, the first thing we would do would be like validate your experience and then roll up our fucking sleeves. Like yeah. we would be there to help. Like, I, honestly, that's what I like. If Willow came to me and said X, Y, and Z, this is an experience and I need to go support them. I'd be like, all right, let me go put my like work pants on and let me, <laughs> uh, and let me know how I can help. Um, mm-hmm. So I say that uh, because I want to, I guess, like bluntly say what is a very valid and normal response to expect too. I think we tell ourselves our inner monologue loves to expect and like highly anticipate the reactions that we fear the most. But we also have to we also can give ourselves the permission to anticipate the reactions that are good and positive and abundant, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I say that because like, that would a hundred percent be my answer would be like, okay, wh- how can I help you? I'm sorry that your experiences, uh, do you need help? I- I'm not afraid. Literally. Like I'm going to use the word mess, like as a metaphor <laughs> in this situation, <laughs> I'm not afraid of the mess. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what we want in all emotional, uh, intimate relationships we want someone to be able to look at our mess our metaphorical and potentially physical mess and say i'm not afraid of this i see you um Mm -hmm. and i will see you through this whether the mess stays or or doesn't you know absolutely yeah and i think that there are people out there who are going to react in the way that sierra described there might be people out there who are like i don't really get this i have a lot of questions is it okay if Mm. i ask them right like I think that you will come, I think, I think what you're telling yourself is that the only response you're going to get is disgust, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not the reality, right? I think, I think that there will be people who will react with this disgust and those people aren't worth your time. There are going to be people who are, who have a lot of questions or are confused or like not really sure what to think. And you can make the decision about whether or not you want to invest in bringing them along with this, or you might find someone like Sierra who's like, cool. I got my waiters on. Let's do this shit. Like, where are mm-hmm. the bags? Let's like, let's get to work. Um, mm-hmm. Or who's like, I totally understand. And like, I will let you tell me how I can show up in this moment. And mm-hmm. when you need me to show up with those waiters in those bags, or if it, you just need me to like, take a step back and like, not come over and like, not ask myself over and not take it personally that I'm not invited over. Right. And, 
And there are people in the world who are going to be able to handle that. And, and those people are going to love you and support you for who you are, for who your mom is. And, and I think just trusting that and knowing that those people are out there, that there is abundance in the world is going to make it easier for you to be able to disclose this to people who you're potentially dating because their response to it at the end of the day doesn't matter. Their, their response to it at the end of the day has no impact on who you are, who your mom is, what your life is like. Uh, they're just they're just people who are dealing with their own shit, who might not mm-hmm. have a mother who hoards, but are they're coping with their own traumas, right? <laughs> like, right. And are just not equipped to be able to to support you in the way that you deserve to be supported. And that's okay. I totally agree. Um, Okay. Uh, Anna, we love you. We hope you feel um, seen and heard and empowered. And we are so grateful that you wrote. Absolutely. We love you. We hope this helps. All right. Our final letter is from an abuser who is writing from a place of shame. I just listened to episode 99 where you talk about the boyfriend who uses digs against a person's integrity to make them question their reality and ultimately control them. I'm not her boyfriend, but I could be because I unintentionally do the same thing. I was abused this way as a child and formative relationships reinforced the idea that this is normal. I didn't know until recently that it isn't. I feel a lot of shame labeling myself, but there's no way around it. I am both the victim of abuse and the perpetrator of abuse. I've been in therapy to help with my insecurity issues and my anxiety, and your podcast has been really helpful. I'm on the right path. I'm consciously catching myself when I dig at my partner. I apologize. It comes from a place of craving validation, and I know this, and I'm working hard to repair what I have broken. Despite my best efforts, though, I sometimes blur out accusatory comments or questions. My partner has expressed to me several times that my comments make him question his reality and that he feels scared and on eggshells around me sometimes, never knowing when the next explosion will happen. Heavy. I don't want that for him or for myself. After 20 years of indoctrination, is there hope for me to be a healthy person? Can a relationship I have manipulated survive if I can do enough to be better? How do I not fall into the trap of, I'm sorry, and then do it all over again? Should I disclose to future partners prospects that I am an abuser in remission? What advice do you have for someone who doesn't want to manipulate and control people anymore, but hasn't lived any other way? Mm. I'm crying again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I cried when I read this letter earlier because I think it's just like so brave and like so vulnerable um everybody's are really like i can't i still can't believe like strangers sent us these letters <laughs> <laughs> no it's wild it's really wild um but i think it's so brave to like look at parts of yourself that you don't like and then like type them out and then mm. and tr- and try to be accountable to them like i just think this letter is really brave and i was thinking about it earlier um that like normally when people write in to us and they write like a disparaging name as their name, like this letter writer is an abuser. Normally we change it. We tell, we say something else, you know, or we mm-hmm. give them a nickname. Um, and I was thinking earlier that I, I'm, I'm not going to do that this time because mm-hmm. um, letter writer abuser. Uh, I want you to know that we are all 
abusers. We are all capable of abuse, of being abused, and of abusing others. And that my first goal in answering your letter is that I don't want you to feel like you are broken beyond repair. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know um, that I have abused people. I have exhibited abusive behavior Mm -hmm. um, and that we, we all can, that, that being an abuser isn't the scary, awful part. I know that it's really hard to look at it and I know it's really scary and shameful to admit it, but the scary part for me is doing that stuff intentionally and doing that stuff maliciously and staying in it, right? Like staying stuck in that abusive behavior because we'd rather be abusive to other people than actually look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to change your name because that part doesn't scare me. In fact, I find so much hope and bravery in this letter um, that I am, I'm genuinely inspired. Absolutely. And I think, I think just to to echo what Sierra said in answer to your first question, is there hope for me as a healthy partner? The answer is absolutely. Um, the The first thing that you can do is practice self awareness about the the behaviors that you're exhibiting yes. and not and recognize that you want to change, right? And you have already taken that first step. It is hard to change our learned behaviors. Absolutely. Right. And we cannot be perfect immediately upon recognizing the fact that we want to change those behaviors. Like it's just impossible. We have, like you said, you have been indoctrinated with the ways in which people, with your understanding and the ways in which people in relationships treat and act towards each other. This is literally your DNA. Like that sounds fucked up, but like look up generational trauma and um, we, we, we are a product of our childhood. We are a product of our early relationships. And to change them, as Sam is saying, is literally going against the grain. It's going mm-hmm. against the current. It takes extra effort to walk up through that river. Absolutely. And and I think recognizing this is important. And the other important thing is developing the tools that you can use in order to not practice the thing that you've been taught to do. Right. And I, you know, the way that I think about it is like, um, I am a, I am a people pleaser. I am like a peacemaker. That is the, that is how my parents taught me to exist in this world. I can never not be that thing. Like it is so deeply ingrained in me that I will always practice it. What I have been able to develop over the years through therapy, through vulnerable conversations with friends, through journalists, journalize, nope, journaling and <laughs> um, and like self-care practices and mindfulness practices is to be able to understand myself more deeply and to be able to challenge those behaviors when they come up. In my brain, I will always still feel the anxiety that I feel when people are are uncomfortable with each other Bro, it when is there is the like three-year-old <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like when there is open conflict when oh i God. say something vulnerable i will immediately follow it up with a joke because i don't want people to feel uncomfortable like it's written totally. in me and yet because i can recognize those things and because i have tools in my tool belt that i can pull out to say i know this is how i respond and i know that this is the thing that will help me not respond in that way then i've been able to 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 get to a place where like i 
am not as much of a people pleaser. I am not as much of a peacemaker. And I use that, that stuff when it serves me really well, <laughs> when it helps me get what I need in order to feel better. Totally. Um, but those tools took time. Those tools took therapy. Yeah. Those tools took trying them out and seeing where they failed and trying a different one instead. And, and so they, I they, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I just want to say like, I don't want you to feel like you are failing because you're not perfect yet. I want you to feel like you are continuing to learn and grow and be better and that you have time to be able to continue to learn and grow and feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to add on to, uh, well, one, Sam, I'm, I, I love Sam that you said, um, I will always be this person, right? Because mm -hmm. Part of, I think, what is really challenging in this head and heart work sometimes is feeling like who we are is inherently broken. So we have to become a different, better version, better person, not just a version of ourselves, like a different person. Um, but so I love that you said this is who I am always. I've just learned more tools and approaches because um, abuser the person who you are is not a bad person. The person mm -hmm. who you are is not a, um, uh, a broken, unlovable person. The person who you are is a hundred percent human loving the literally only way they learned how you are speaking in the language you were taught to speak. Right. And now you're trying to learn a new language. Um, so you're doing the best that you can with the knowledge and experience that you have in this moment. And that knowledge and experience is only going to grow every moment, every choice, every day. Mm -hmm. uh, it might not, it might feel like you are, in, it's not like, I just want to say like, you're not like a poisoned person. You are not mm -hmm. damaged beyond uh, belief. I think for so long in my own like, uh, self-care, self-love journey, I really felt like, who I was, was, was broken or damaged. And I needed to, to become a different person instead of accepting who I was, accepting my weaknesses and accepting my strengths and, and working with them. Another thing I want to say is like, Sam was listing what it takes, right? It takes uh, therapy, it takes time, it takes effort. And I also want to add to that list. It takes love and self-compassion. Mm. I read and I, I, I read and have read a lot of stuff on like, mm, like love yourself and like be compassionate to yourself or whatever. Um, and it's hard for me. And I think you relate to this, Sam. It's hard for me to read about self-love without it feeling a little like Hallmark Cardi. Like sure. it doesn't, it doesn't truly, I, I like gloss over it, right? Like, ah, oh, yeah, love yourself. But like, this is what we're talking about, people. Like you truly need to say, I love myself. I have compassion for myself. Mm -hmm. I accept myself for it as the imperfect person. We've gotten a couple messages lately about like, what is head and heart work and, and what does it feel like, you know? Um, and I think people ask those questions because they, the thing I don't like about like the um, self-help industry is that it makes you feel as though there's a destination to reach mm -hmm. um, like a, the new version of me or the better version of me or the fixed un healed, unbroken, um, un like scathed, clean, pure version of me, not actually focusing on the fact that like 
I love myself or am trying to love myself right now as is, even though I'm anxiously attached, even though I have jealousy <laughs> and history, you know, uh-huh. um, even, even though I say the wrong thing and even though yada, yada, and to, and to abuser, I would say, you need to say right now to yourself, I love myself. I love myself. I'm doing the best that I can. I, d- I am worthy of love. I am loving and I know that I am, I, I deserve uh, the work that it takes to become um, the person I'm meant to be, right? But right now in this moment, I have compassion for myself. I have love for myself. I have empathy for myself and patience for myself to really unlearn all of the things I have learned over the past um, 20 years or so, as you said. Absolutely. I think that's such a great point that like, Loving yourself isn't isn't like a, a bubble bath and like a scented candle, and right? It's, like, it's, not, it's something <laughs> that it's you don't earn it when you're good enough. That's yeah, the right. thing, right? No, like, and like it, I think, <sighs> yeah, like loving yourself is often is often deeply uncomfortable because it means oh taking like a real whole look at every part of you and saying that thing about me that I hate is part of me, oh <laughs> right? God, I so and I have to like. <laughs> And in order to get to a point where I can be, where I can practice true empathy and love for others is that I have to look at that thing and say like, that's part of me and I love it too. <laughs> like, yes. Despite oh the like, fact that I want to rip it from my body. Like right. I, I also, love it because it's part of me. Exactly. And think about abuser. Like what if you said, I love myself. I love myself despite the fact that I act out this way. I love myself because I'm acting out the way I was taught. I love myself because the little girl that I was, was just surviving. And the little girl I was learned how to do these behaviors to take care of herself. And I, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to love that little girl so well that she doesn't, she no longer feels the need to act out and put down her partner. Um, because instead she's going to feel so secure in herself, so secure in her self love that she's going to be able to receive love, receive that vulnerability, handle stress without taking it out in that old way that mm-hmm. no longer serves her. Absolutely. But let's talk about yes. some practical things that yep. we can do to help. <laughs> <laughs> Self-love is not practical. <laughs> no, I mean, like, let's talk about Nobody's some, like... so true. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's all very theoretical, but like, what are, like, what right. are things that you can do in the moment when you are, you are feeling jealous or you are feeling like you're going to explode like, what are things that you can do to to prevent yourself from acting on the things that you've learned? Okay, so abuser, I know that, so uh, some abusive um, behaviors that I exhibit in my relationships is that I can be very controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be controlling in the way that doesn't look controlling, um, which is like uh, spending a lot of time with somebody, like kind of being a little codependent in our time. Um, I can, ugh, I hate, I hate even saying this out loud <laughs> because especially now that I'm married to like a securely attached, very healthy woman or stable woman, I should say, uh, who doesn't trigger me, you know, like all of my 
learned behaviors, just like you, abuser, are like glaringly obvious because <laughs> she's Willow is so like stable. Um, yeah, there's no like justification for them yes, anymore because exactly. like there's she's no, like, not drama. cheating on you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I I fucking hate that I'm admitting this, but like fuck it. This is what we built our whole podcast on. Like. I can be really insecure about my partner giving love and attention to other people. Like, um, so I will be controlling and manipulative in the way I talk about other people. Mm. Um, and I can confidently say I do not do that, but let me tell you, abuser, I feel myself wanting to do it. And that's the difference. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And so <laughs> um, <laughs> t- t- two things that I do when I feel myself wanting to control or manipulate the situation to make me feel more secure is that I um, I let go of control. I literally will just like let Willow do her life or make her decision or 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 we do we do separate like i literally just say like i I remove myself from the situation not in a dramatic way but if it's like if i'm feeling insecure about uh spending time in different places because of the people we're going to be around or whatever i just i like make a different plan or Mm. or you know like i i remove myself that's not always effective and that's not the number one thing i do the number one thing i do abuser is i i talk it out loud and I don't, it's not that I admit to Willow that I like want to talk bad about, I don't know, like the family member that she's like showing a lot of love to. <laughs> that should be um, me. Don't love your family, only love me. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but instead I say like, um, well, you know what? Now that I talk, now that I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to picture what I do. These, these, I think in the past, maybe I'd say like, I'm feeling a little insecure because of this, but I, I'm going to like recant a little because I've learned over, I think over the last couple of years that I don't need to talk everything out. And especially mm-hmm. like talking everything out is sort of a manifestation of that um, uh, codependency, like control, like needing, needing Willow to understand what everything is going on so but it's also um, like it's a first step though right? it is a like, first step yeah like be talking it out with willow and having her repeat back to you and affirm you of course i love you i'm not you know like uh, i can and of now, course I, or she right. says something like of course i can love more than one person you know like uh, we've never mm-hmm. had that exact conversation but that's something she would say to me and yeah, then and- hearing her logic and secureness back to me i'm like oh yeah duh <laughs> <laughs> But then, but now you're at a point because you've practiced that, that you don't need to yeah, even totally. talk about it anymore. I will say 100%. For, for me, abuser, like I also struggle with saying things that are meaner than I mean them to be. And that mm-hmm. are, and I'm like, I'm not going to let myself off by saying that I'm going to say things like I say mean things in order to try and control people. Honestly, like I say yeah. mean things in order to make sure that people know that I have the uh, like upper hand or like that I right like it's not conscious it's not like "Mm, I'm gonna say this so that this person feels like they don't totally deserve me right it's just like that's like I have done the the work that you are doing too, abuser of like recognizing that like this is something that I do and this is why I do it and so sometimes what I'll do is I will think the thing that I want to say (laughs) three times in my head before I say it out loud totally or I will write it down instead I will just be like this thing that I was going to say this, 
I was going to bring up one more time the way that Peter did this wrong, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to write it down because like mm-hmm. it's not going to help him. It's not going to help me. And that that helped me like that was like a legitimate tool that I use in those moments where I'm like to prevent me from saying things that I regret because like at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not what I actually want to say. Like it's not a manifestation of who I am or who I want to be. It is like a learned thing that I do to keep myself safe, but I'm safe now. I'm safe. (laughs) I don't have to say the mean things anymore. You're safe abuser. (laughs) You are safe. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, I think maybe some of those things would help for you. Like think about what you're going to say instead of saying it immediately, like process it through your head three times and be like, is Mm -hmm. this what I actually think? Is this what I actually feel? Or is there a way that like, you've obviously already talked to your partner about it. Is there a way that your partner can say something that gets you to understand that you are in, that you are like flooding in that fog. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And say like, Like, is there like, this sounds really intense, but like, is there a safe word or like a phrase that they can say to you to say like, honey, you are flooding or like, honey, you're in the fog right now. And I need to like, take a step away. Like we need to take a step away from each other. And that can work as long as you are willing to hear that. Right. And it sounds abuser like you are, but it might be something that you could try to help. Right. To get you to a point where you can start doing that also for yourself eventually. I totally agree. I want to add to um, uh, one. I love that you and I are like going like full on confessionals, real world, telling our shit this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, well I think it's I think, important because I, I think literally that was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> like, there's like this abuse is not acceptable. And also abuse is something that we all practice on each other. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I didn't want to change abuser's name is because I wanted to be weirdly in solidarity with her you know um that like i I, we all exhibit these things so abuser the other thing i want to say is um like along the same lines about learning how to process these things right um i started really recognizing the exact physical feelings and Mm. emotional feelings that i have when i know i i feel like when i know i want to control my partner or when I want to emotionally manipulate them or something like that. Um, I start like, I started, you know, cause oftentimes it's, it's from it. I start feeling insecure. I feel like a little, uh, spontaneous is the wrong word, but like quick, like quick to say something, right? Like jabby, maybe that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just recognizing like the physical and emotional feelings that you're, ha- you're going to have when you say these types of things is can, it sounds really simple, but like similar to Sam's like repetitive things. If you start noticing the, f- the, phys- the physicality of when you say things, you can start recognizing, Oh, I'm anxious. I'm feeling insecure. I'm, mm. you know, whatever. And, and to the, to the point that I recanted earlier, I don't talk things out with Willow anymore like that. Um, I just, uh, but I, instead I'll say things like, um, when I do say something that I really regret or when I, you know, when, when I say something out of turn or whatever, or, or when I'm feeling the physical feelings that I was talking about earlier, I'll say, okay, um, I just need a minute because I'm feeling insecure or, um, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. I said that I think it came from a place of insecurity and you know what, abuser, like saying that is, I always say to her, I'm really embarrassed. I feel embarrassed. 
it's really fucking embarrassing to admit to your loved one <laughs> yeah. that you spoke out of a place of insecurity and that you spoke out of a place of, um, you know, cruelness or whatever. It's really embarrassing, mm-hmm. but embarrassing is not going to kill us. Embarrassing <laughs> is where we grow. I have Absolutely. literally said to my, I've laid in, laid in bed and said, turned to my wife and said, I'm really embarrassed that I said that to you. And to say those words out loud is like, it's like crawling out a hot desert. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it is so hard to say those words. But And abuser, I know you know that it is way fucking easier to say the jab, to say the condescending thing, to say mm. the insecurely based, you know, controlling insult, right? That stuff is easy. That is the new, uh, excuse me, that is the... The old familiar territory that comes so easily. It's a lot harder to say, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I said it to you. It's very humbling. But let me tell you, once you know, once you start apologizing in that way and, and owning it deeply in that way, at least for me, I didn't want to return to the familiar anymore because I rarely wanted to bring myself to the place of discomfort of having to say I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that's legit. Yeah, absolutely. So abuser, thank you so much for writing. Know that you are not a horrible person because you are you are exercising learned behaviors in this way um, and that you there is hope for you. Right. The fact that you are thinking about this, the fact that you wrote in asking for help is is an indication that you are ready to begin the journey into showing up in your relationship in, in different ways. And it's, it's going to be a challenge and it's going to take work and it's going to require, honestly, it's going to require a partner that is willing to do the work with you. And it sounds like your partner is probably that person, which is great. Um, but just know that there is, there is hope and that you are doing the right things. You are on the right path. As you say in your letter, you are on the right path. And, and honestly, there, there is so much potential for, for love and happiness and and health in your future. Absolutely. I totally agree. My heart goes out to you. You are abundant. You are lovable. And I wish you all the best. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of the show. This Every episode, we shout out something we want to set you up with. This week, we're sending you home with... A very bougie face product. <laughs> uh, face uh, product. <laughs> yes, which is like given me a little bit of anxiety given like how we started this episode. And then I'm like, and also you should use the skincare product Homie. that costs a lot of money. <laughs> no, just just uh. it, the blind day is about things that we love that brings us joy. And in this That's moment, true. you are finding joy in this. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it is from um, Drunk Elephant. It is oh called. My God, that is a great very expensive brand. Very expensive. Yes. <laughs> but great brand. Uh, it's called the TLC Sukari Baby Facial. <laughs> uh, does it have a little elephant on it? I it does have I've a little elephant it. on it. Um, it's awesome. So it's like a product that you use once or twice a week. Um, you put it on your face for like 20 minutes and then you rinse it off. Um, and it has a bunch of <laughs> all sorts of like... Um, toners and like exfoliating acids in it that help really restore a healthy, 
uh, complexion. So like I've been using it yeah. for the past, I would say like six months. And honestly, this is the product that has like changed my complexion the mm. most. Like it has evened it out. It has gotten rid of like most of like the tiny like bumps and blackheads on my forehead, which is like I have very dry, sensitive skin, but my forehead also tends to get kind of oily. Um, and like, I've tried multiple different products to help exfoliate in a way that like, doesn't really irritate me. Mm -hmm. Um, and this has been the one thing that I found that works really well. It is $80. I will say how much it is, (laughs) (laughs) but I've had this for six months and and it is like less than half gone. Yeah. It's like, there's still three quarters of it left because you only use it once or twice a week. So like, I'm probably going to, this is probably gonna last me a whole year. So it's like, feels like a very good investment. The number one marker of adulthood is not buying the cheapest option. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm over here like looking at like spice or I don't know, olive oil. I don't, yeah, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to buy the like store brand of olive yeah, oil. Yeah, the four ninety nine or whatever. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I brought, I buy for folks on the East Coast, like I buy Hanford brand everything, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the cheap thing because I'm obsessed with my budget right now. But when it comes to facial facial things or skincare, it's totally worth the money if that's for where sure. you want to put your money is. And I've been like looking for a chemical exfoliant that. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying cheap stuff and like it hasn't mm-hmm. worked in the same way that mm-hmm. this product has. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel good that this is like $80 once a year for something that actually like makes you feel good and like helps my skin and totally. makes you feel more confident. And for everybody who hasn't checked out our Instagram, Sam is incredibly attractive <laughs> <laughs> and he has great skin. Yes. And so, um, yeah, check it out. I, I'm i sorry that this is so bougie, but it is uh, Drunk Elephant Drunk Elephant TLC Sukari Baby Facial. I'm going to call you baby facial from Please now do. on. <laughs> it's also like when he just comes a little bit. <laughs> oh my God. Uh. <laughs> oh my God. That's the dirtiest thing you've ever, ever said on the podcast. Uh, that's all funny. right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please, no, you can like us on yeah. Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com. Which is also where you can find our merchandise. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Please leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's $5 a month at patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on, mics on, and helps us reach more brokenhearted <laughs> souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all good things by our great friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast, and our dear Just Breakup listeners, remember, it's hard to change our learned behaviors. To not only look honestly at the parts of ourselves we aren't proud of, but to begin that long journey upstream against the grain of our learned behavior. It is scary, and it sure as hell isn't pretty, but it is possible. And if all else fails, just break up.